0: This is the Christian Circle Podcast, and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez, where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Welcome to a new episode of the Christian Circle Podcast, and this week we have a new guest talking about building vibrant parishes. A special shout out to all of our listeners. We've got new listeners from Croatia, um, quite a few from California and Texas. And uh, some from Mongolia and Kenya as well. So, welcome to our new guests. And um, before we go to the podcast, let's listen to our sponsors. Attention church leaders, are you looking to grow your church membership and congregation? Look no further than Noah'sEventVenue.com slash church. Noah's Event Venue rents its location out to church groups just like yours for Sunday worship services, Bible study, prayer groups, Sunday school, and more. So come ye two by two to Noah's. For more information, just give us a call at 843-455-6845 or visit us online at Noah'sEventVenue.com. Slash church. Don't forget to ask us about getting one month free. That's Noah's slash church. We'd love to have your congregation meet at Noah's.
1: I'm Patty McGuire Armstrong. I'm a writer, a Catholic author. I write for a couple of newspapers, our Sunday visitor and the National Catholic Register, Magadis Magazine. And uh, I have a number of books out, including the Amazing Grace series that I wrote with Jeff Cavins and Matthew Pinto with Ascension Press. And I have a new book that will be coming out early next year with Ave Maria Press, and it's called Holy Hacks, Everyday Ideas to Help You Get to Heaven. And I have 10 children. The oldest is 35 and the youngest is 16, a junior in high school.
0: So the first time I came across your work was basically when you had written, uh, I think it was for OSP, you'd written an article about uh, fighting the devil and something around those lines. And uh, I reached out to you, and this month we're talking about, uh, you know, building vibrant parishes. So what exactly is a vibrant parish in the first place?
1: Well, to me, a vibrant parish, and I believe I, I belong to one, Cathedral of the Holy Spirit in Bismarck, North Dakota, people are really practicing their faith, and Mm -hmm. um, I suppose there's two different ways you can look at it. A vibrant parish might be one that has a lot of activities, a lot of participation, and parishioners get to know one another, and I think that's a very good thing. And one thing that I really appreciate at Cathedral of the Holy Spirit is that there are two Masses a day that are extremely well attended, daily Masses. So, there are probably anywhere between three and 400 people a day that go to daily Mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's at 6.45 and one's at 8 o'clock. Now, during Lent, that number is more like five to 600 a day are going to daily Mass. Um, and so, to me, that's an extremely vibrant parish. And my husband and I travel. We have a, some of our kids are living in different states. We have family in different states, and every once in a while, I'm invited to speak at events, and so we'll travel a bit. And we, wherever we go, we look for a daily mass, and we've never seen the kind of daily mass attendance like we have here at Cathedral. And I'm not. To, that's not to say that we are the only vibrant parish around, um, but we definitely do have. A faith
0: community
1: that has a strong faith in the power of the Mass. And um, we, have, we have Eucharistic hours of adoration from uh, 9 in the morning until 9 in the evening. Uh, Monday through Thursday. Fridays, we don't have the, the, the adoration hours. And then Sunday from 2 to 9. And at any time, of course, when our Lord is exposed in the Blessed Sacrament, there always has to be somebody there. But rarely is there not extra people. Rarely are there not more people any time of the day or evening when you go in there, especially in the evening hours, you know, after 5 o'clock, 5, 6 o'clock. Uh, it's not unusual to see a, a dozen people there praying. So that's exciting because I think it feeds on itself. I think the more you do that, the stronger your parish becomes, the stronger the um, the faith life. And it just gets everybody moving in another direction, or in a good direction, you know, um, a very positive, vibrant direction. And the other thing I should say, I've lived here, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, and we've lived in a few other states. But we've been here for 28 years. And another sign of not just that we have a vibrant Parish, but that it has grown that way over the years, is that there is always a line for the confession. Mm-hmm. And we have confession every morning for half an hour before Mass, actually for about um, well, half an hour or longer. Sometimes if there's a priest who's not saying Mass, he will stay on and he'll just keep hearing confessions until they're done. And we have confession times on Saturdays also. Um, two different times on Saturdays. So it isn't that everybody's crowding in because there's not a lot of time to get to confession. There are many times during the week, but we have a community that respects that sacrament for the graces that it offers to us. Um, and to, to just to keep our faith strong, to keep our souls strong. Uh, But really, if you don't get there early enough in the morning, you often don't have time to get into confession because there's so many people lined up every day.
0: I think one of the uh, suggestions that was made to churches in the Middle East for growth was that they had to have adoration every day. And if and when the adoration happened, the churches would grow. And I can say this even in, in Kuwait. Um, they went from one church to having five churches in, in, in five years after having started that adoration every day.
1: Wow, that's quite remarkable, from one to five. Yeah. Wow,
0: yeah.
1: very exciting.
0: But now you've been to many states, you've said, and you've seen that um, you know, the attendance is not that high. Um, daily masses don't really have so many people. Why do you think that is? I mean, what is the, the obstacle to having people make these parishes so vibrant, come to confession, go for Mass, visit the Blessed Sacrament? What is the obstacle to all these things?
1: Well, I don't think it's just one thing. But one thing I noticed, there's actually two other parishes that I have found noteworthy. Divine Child in Dearborn, Michigan, which is just outside Detroit. They also have two Masses a day that, that are very well attended. And then in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, where one of our daughters is married and her father-in-law is a deacon at that church, it's a small town, but they have, it's very well attended in the morning. So so it's quite remarkable when you find these churches that have a vibrant community that are going to Mass, that are going to confession. And when they do so daily, they have a real appreciation of the Blessed Sacrament, Mm -hmm. that they are receiving Jesus every day. And that's worth getting up for. That's worth taking the time. And the question is, where does it come from? Well, I think, I don't think there's just one source. I think a holy priest can bring that to his community. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, St. John Vianney Mm -hmm. of ours, France. If you know much about his story, he was sent to a remote area in France, yeah, and it was not—it was not a very good parish. Mm. They—they went—they went to the bar, They did not go to church, <laughs> and they—he they, wasn't really very welcomed there. But ours became the holiest place in France, mm. or one of the holiest places, because Saint John Vianney was such a holy priest. Mm. He prayed and he fasted for his community, for his parish. And things gradually became to turn around. It wasn't like he showed up and gave some fantastic homilies and people started coming. It was a slower process than that. And I think the holiness of a priest can really reflect on the holiness of a parish community. And, and I also believe that it can happen the other way around, too. Yeah. You know, that we should be praying for our priests, and we forget about that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> We just think they're there for us, and they should be, but we need to be there for our priests, too. We need to pray for them. They have a very, very important job. Um, We need to be showing up and and growing in our faith, and I think that's the beauty of our faith and, and the gift that God has given to us is that we can pray for others. We can make a difference with our prayers and our fasting and our sacrifices that He allows us to touch beyond just our own souls um but to spread that holiness to those around us through the holy spirit you know i don't know how god does it all but he manages to touch our souls when we're open to it and you know i've talked with them um, i've interviewed people with saint paul street evangelization
0: mm-hmm. who go
1: out and spread the gospel and i said um one guy i was talking with i said oh well i'm sure you pray to the holy spirit before you go out right he said, well, yes, I do, but I don't just pray for myself. I don't just pray for the Holy Spirit to speak through me, but I pray for him to prepare the people I'm going to be speaking to. Mm. And and so along those lines, you know, for us to be praying for our priests, you know, sometimes I think um, it'll cross my mind, not as often as it should, but during a homily, mm. I'll realize I'll send up a prayer For the priest Mm -hmm. of the homily that he will speak clearly that the Holy Spirit will guide him and that the people listening to him will open up their hearts and minds Mm -hmm. to what he has to say and you know when you think about it what if we all did that what if as our priest stood up to give a homily if we all said a little prayer for our congregation and for him Um, wouldn't that be a beautiful thing?
0: That would be fantastic. And I think that's one step that people can take to making a parish vibrant. What do you think are the other things that we should do apart from prayer? Which I think prayer is one of the most important things that we should be doing. But uh, what else can we do to make our parishes vibrant? Well, we talked about
1: prayer on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. but What about um, forming prayer groups and Bible studies? book studies, Bible studies, uh, Bible groups, there are so many programs that will guide you through. You know, you don't have to be an expert because you can buy a Bible study. And Jeff Cavins has a beautiful Bible study. He's well-known around here. Um, I, 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 nobody would have a problem finding a good Bible study. They have women's Bible studies, uh, women of grace, um, and To join together with others, and a lot of times, many many years ago, there was a woman who I didn't know very well, and she contacted me and she said, "Um, "You know, I wasn't raised Catholic, and I and I'm Catholic now, but I don't really know how to go about raising my children Mm -hmm. Catholic. Do you know of any prayer groups or Bible studies?" Well, at the time I didn't, but later on, um, maybe it was a year later, and I was. Somebody came to me and said, we should start a prayer group. I really wish there was a prayer group. And I said, well, let's, why don't we, I, I know somebody else who would like one. And before you knew it, we had a dozen people meeting every Tuesday evenings and we brought our families and we would gather together to pray a rosary and to lift up intentions. And sometimes people would just share different thoughts and inspirations and, um, And now our church has a number of prayer groups that gather. We have a Monday night prayer group for vocations before the Blessed Sacrament. And there are a dozen or more people that come every Monday from 7 to 8. And they have a a number of prayers they recite. They have a, a quiet time of reflection. They have a rosary they say together. And that's another thing. Our I, I've lived here for 28 years. When I moved here 28 years ago, we had a shortage of vocation. Mm-hmm. My pastor at the time gave a homily one Sunday that was really quite depressing. He said, well, this is how old our, the average age of our priest, and it was, I don't know, somewhere in the 50s. And he said, in five years, this many are going to retire, and this is going to be the average age. And it was even older. And I thought, oh, boy, you know, it just sounds very depressing. And his message was, we all need to be praying for vocations. And in our diocese, there really grew a push to remember to pray for vocations. And we had a prayer we said after each Mass. And the Monday night prayer group started in front of the Blessed Sacrament from Mondays from seven to eight, and that is before we had Eucharistic Adoration. This group just went ahead and they did that, and they met Mm -hmm. every Monday. Well, within a few years, we had a record number. Um, We had six men ordained Mm -hmm. at once, and that was a record for us. Um, That was a record for our diocese at that time to have six at once. And what is remarkable, those six men, had already been out in the world working one was a teacher one was an accountant one was a um, federal agent they were all doing different things and to me I mean I don't know the mind of God and I don't speak for him (laughs) (laughs) I want to speak for him you know about him but um he doesn't come to me to give his messages but I can't help but think that there was a, a powerful message in that that um these men had gone out into the world and after everybody started to pray for vocations, they came out of the world and felt called call to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. And we now have a, a large number. Um, we have, I think we have like 27. I'm not exactly sure. But a few years ago, our vocations director was, um, speaking at a lot of the masses, and he said if the Archdiocese of Detroit, Michigan, which Detroit's a big city, if they had the same number of seminarians per capita of Catholics that we have in Bismarck, they would need over 300, mm-hmm. just to match what we have. And that, because there's, I, I think Bismarck has a population of maybe 70,000, um, give or take a few thousand. And Detroit has, I don't know, maybe oh, they have over a million. I, I'm not good at knowing the exact numbers on okay. this, but but it, I think it's very, very, um, quite remarkable that when you realize how strong and vibrant our whole diocese has become. And you know, another thing that our parish did, our parish priest did, and that it was also done in our diocese, is they enthroned the Sacred Heart of Jesus over our parish and over our diocese. The bishop did one, and then our um, parish priest did the other. And and this is an old, it's an old custom. If you look up uh, Sacred Heart enthronement yeah, yeah. and and basically it's about putting Jesus, enthroning him as king over your home. You can do. They have home enthronements. You can put them over your parish, over your business. We had a little ceremony, and our bishop did it over our diocese, and and. Um, you could say it's a coincidence, but I don't think it's a coincidence. That is when we really, I would say that's when a lot of growth happened. We didn't used to have Catholic radio, and we got Catholic radio um, maybe seven or eight years ago. Uh, you know, when, I, when we first moved here 28 years ago, the priest used to bring a book into the confessional because he sat there, and not very many people went. And now, like I told you, there's mm-hmm. always a long line to get in. So you can see that there has been spiritual growth. I have witnessed spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And I can look and point to a lot of different things, um, beginning with prayer and, and mass attendance and reception of the sacraments. But it really, there started to be more and more groups. And another thing that we do in our diocese where a number of Parishes and friends. It's in it's informal. Um, but they will gather somebody has a, a big garage that's so not it's a nice clean garage and they set up chairs and a, it's nicely lit. And they have a speaker come once a month. Often it's a priest, not always, and people bring refreshments and we gather together once a month and have a priest speaking or or there's other guests too. It's not always a priest. But there's some topic of interest, and now we have a young adults group. I'm not a young adult anymore, and so I used to be jealous that they had great speakers, and they do the same thing. And so that's why this group for older, for any ages, started up because we were seeing this wonderful young adults group, where it was it was a good way to make friends, to get to know other couples, and to grow in your faith. And so that's something that it, it, somebody can do. You know, you can get together with other people and say, hey, let's do this. Let's uh, find a place we can gather. Maybe ask a priest if he can come and speak or somebody that you think would have an interesting talk. And everybody come and bring refreshments. And what a nice social time because you're gathering with other Catholics. You're making new friends over time. And you're also being uplifted and inspired and informed by the speaker. Um, and this sort of thing, the, you know, the more you do these kind of things, the more it just keeps growing. I mm-hmm. think I think each thing feeds off the other.
0: And people can take up a particular cause, right? Like you said, the Monday group takes over vocations. Maybe the Tuesday group could take over uh, any other cause that is affecting the parish, whatever it may be. And each person or each group can, can take up matters of the church and, and pray pray hard for whatever it is. And then over time maybe find success over uh, whatever they're praying for.
1: Right, and you don't need any special expertise to do this. You Mm -hmm. just have to have the desire. Start out informally, um, you know, like a few people gathering. Or if you want to start a group with a speaker, just figure out where we hold it and who would we ask and and then start telling people, spreading the word. You can put an announcement in your church bulletin that this is going to take place. But I want to warn you, When we first started our prayer group and there were three different families, all we wanted to do was put an announcement in our bulletin. We didn't want to have to go asking people and collecting people because it seemed so much easier. Just put an announcement in the bulletin and people will come. Mm. But our our pastor at the time said, no, first I want to see, I want you just to invite people. And he wanted to give it time to grow Mm. before he made an official announcement. So, we didn't like that answer, but we just went with it. (laughs) Because we we wanted the easy way out. Yeah. We didn't want to stick our neck out. and, And so, between the three of us, we would think of people we knew that seemed like, you know, they seemed like they might like to gather with us, you know, to, it was just a, it was short and informal, really. It was only 45 minutes, but we often stayed longer and visited and talked because it was enjoyable to be together. Um, but you could come and go quickly if you had other things to, to do. So we little by little started inviting people, and I know at one point we had maybe 15 people, which for a small um, evening prayer group wasn't bad. 15, 15 families. So we mm-hmm. had a lot more people than that when you had the husband and wife and children. And and sometimes maybe the even if the wife wanted to come and the husband didn't, or vice versa. Sometimes the husband came and the and the wife was working. But um, whoever wanted to come, it was informal. But we did gather together and pray the rosary, and we lifted up our intentions. Well, the time finally came where our pastor said, okay, go ahead. It, it's been going well. We reported back to him many months later that um, we had over a dozen families coming every week, and so he said we could put the announcement in. Not only did he say we could put the announcement in, but he mentioned it during his homily at church, mm-hmm. because. It was the Feast of the Holy Family. And wouldn't it be a nice idea? There's a family prayer group that you could attend. So we had the best publicity possible. And you know what happened? Nobody came. (laughs) except the people we had invited by word of mouth. And so it taught us a lesson Mm -hmm. that there were a lot of people who knew about it. And we used to put announcements in the bulletin. And once in a while, somebody would come because they saw the announcement. Once in a great while. And um, a lot of people would say, oh, I should go to that group. And then they never would. Mm -hmm. Um, But the people we had asked, I asked one couple, I said, well, why did you decide to come? And uh, the woman named Sue said, well, when you invited me, I was very complimented that you saw something in me. Mm-hmm. and thought I would like to come yeah. and I and so we did come because we were so complimented that you felt we would like to come that you that you picked us out so I I mean I'm I still like announcements I use them all the time for like um you know I put on a woman's retreat uh this will be our 12th year and I and I rely on announcements all the time in church bulletin announcements or our diocesan paper but I'm just saying that there's nothing like a personal invitation to get somebody's attention
0: what about uh, new people you know when they first come to a parish they feel left out what do you do to help incorporate all these people into the parish to welcome them to make them feel at home and then include them in into a, a vibrant parish
1: I'm so glad you asked that question because I think this is so important and at least in the United States, I don't know other cultures. For some reason, and I have my theories what those reasons are, but Catholics have a habit of not being as outgoing and friendly as some other denominations are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, what is the reason for that? I, you know, we we could speculate, but people tend to get to know their friends and they say hi to their friends, and they talk with their friends, and new people aren't always welcomed or included Mm -hmm. because a lot of people, maybe you don't see them that often, and you enjoy seeing them, and you want to spend time catching up on the latest news and visiting with them. But we often miss out on that opportunity to welcome people. We want them to feel welcomed in our church. Now, we have greeters. Like maybe the last 15 years, we started putting greeters at doors. And I'm a greeter, and I say hi to people, and I think that's great for people to feel welcomed. But that's just one little piece. I attended an event at my church years ago, and um, they like to once a year do something to show appreciation for the people that serve, whether mm-hmm. they are greeters or lectors, you know, different people that serve the church. And they had... Um, some refreshments, and uh, a time for everybody to socialize. And I noticed a woman sitting by herself, so um, I instinctively look out for people like that, because no matter what your age is, I don't care if you're 10, or 30, or 80, nobody likes to come to an event and sit by
0: themselves.
1: At least not a social event. (laughs) There might be other things that, you know, maybe people aren't feeling outgoing, but if you came to a social event, you sure don't want to sit there by yourself. And and this was actually it was a dinner that was served, and I um, um kind of a potluck thing. Or you know I went up and I got my food, and I saw her sitting by herself. So I went down and I sat with her, and I introduced myself, and we visited that evening. And um and then the event was over, and she went home, and we I said goodbye to her, and it hit me, my goodness. This woman was trying to get to know people, and that's why she volunteered at church. She had attended the event. Had I not sat down with her, Mm. she would have come, eaten, and left, not having spoken to a single person. Mm. That should never happen at Mm. any of our church events. We should always be looking for people who don't have somebody they know or to sit with. We We should take it. It is very enjoyable to visit with our friends. But we also need to make the sacrifice of looking for other people, meeting new people, and including them in some way.
0: Yeah. I, I think this is a very good point uh, because I've been to, I travel a lot around the world, and I'm always at a new parish uh, every time I move. So I've, I've always experienced this. There are, there are weeks and weeks and weeks on end where, the only person's hand you probably shake is the priest. Because e- even when they have to do a, like a peace offering or something like that, people won't even look you in the eye. They, they know you're not from that parish. So we can be very cold sometimes as Catholics. And I think we need to warm up a little bit. Yes, I think we
1: need to get beyond our natural. I don't think people don't realize it. Maybe they don't they don't stop and think about it. They don't want to be hurtful. But I think we need to get out of our comfort zones, and we need to be welcoming. If we really want to practice our faith, we can't just be in our own little worlds. We're gonna to have to maybe get uncomfortable sometimes, um, invite people to our houses, or just sit down with them at an event, or say, "Hey, you don't look. I don't. You don't look like you're from around here," um, and engage in conversations. We need to be friendly. And the sad thing is that. A lot of the other churches, Protestant churches, do a better job of this than we do, mm. um, and I think part of it is um, their worship is more reliant on uh, ours. Is a quieter, reflective yeah. service. Yeah. Mass. Yeah. We're there for the Eucharist. We do have a time where we give the um, handshake, and so there, there. But for the most part, our worship is is a vertical, it's going up and down, we're, get, we're praying together as a community, but we're all focused up on God, and that's a very a big difference in our worship services, where theirs is a little bit more horizontal, and I have some neighbors who left the Catholic Church, and they went to a Protestant evangelical church, and she said, I made more friends there in a few weeks than I did two years at the Catholic Church. But then she described to me how there's a part during the service where you get to know people. Okay, well, we don't do that. And that's not, our, ours is a big social time. And, you know, all the singing and rocking and rolling and, um, you know, during the service, getting to know people. That, our service is from us, you know, going up to God, going up to heaven Mm -hmm. in unison. Ours isn't so much about, this is a gathering time to get to know one another, and um, but but we so we don't we don't worship the same way, but we do have to be aware of those opportunities and the necessity of us to welcome people to our churches because some of us like I'm sure you and me we we go to the Catholic Church because we understand that's where we receive Jesus, that's where the true yeah. presence of Jesus is. So. Even if the homily is boring, even if the congregation isn't very friendly, I'm going to go to the Catholic Church no matter what. Mm. But we have to realize that not everybody fully understands their faith. Mm. Maybe they're just looking into it. Maybe they're thinking about coming back. Maybe they're thinking about leaving. Mm. You know, everybody's in different places. And friendship of others can make a difference between them staying or going to another church. You're not going to any church at all because we are the church.
0: Yeah.
1: There, our church is more than just us, but we are a pretty big face of the church in our encounter with others because the priest can't be friends with every single person in the congregation. Yeah. We have a responsibility to spread and share and practice the faith and, and to create a community. You know, the, the, that's why I said there's, I think there's a lot of pieces of it. A holy priest, like St. John Vianney, mm-hmm. is going to make a difference. Um, but so will, so will outgoing, friendly parishioners. And it it rubs off, you know, the friendlier and the more outgoing and the more opportunities you have. And I also think that we should vocalize this. We should have these conversations with our friends sometimes and say, hey, you know, we really need to push ourselves. Be friendly. I, I notice there's people who come and they go and nobody talks to them. I really think we need to do something about that. I, and I have a friend. She and I share that same pet peeve. And she became very, very good friends with a Native American family. And, um, and they're definitely, we don't often have Native American families that come to our church. But she noticed them and she said, Hey, I'm, I'm Shelly. Who are you? I know our. I know we Catholics aren't always very good at um, meeting new people. And, and she got to know them. And it turned out that this new friend, Jerry, and her husband, Bill, he had come back to the faith. She was a new Catholic. She was trying to bring um, her children into the faith. She ended up get, uh, with brain cancer. And she fought it for many years. And she just recently died. But my friend, Shelley became... One of the closest friends this family had, they were so close together, and Shelly would often bring people, and we'd pray with Jerry, and she created a bridge Mm -hmm. so that other people got to know this family, all through just saying, Hi, who are you (laughs) at the church? They became so close, and to this day, I mean, the family is so close. She's had them over her house and been to their house, and I think we need to do more of that.
0: And just also to add, uh, I think most parishes today have, uh, I think, lots of cells and associations. In our parish alone, I think we have more than 50 cells and associations. So for different age groups, for different people, if you're looking for a a, a social aspect, just pick any one association, any one cell, whether it's the Legion of Mary, whether it's the lecterns, the choir, the uh, catechism, just pick anyone and go there. You will find tons and tons of people serving there. You'll make friends. You'll get to know parishioners. So sign up, go to the bulletin. There'll be um, uh, different orders in your own parish. And then you'll find people. If the social aspect is so important, or even a charismatic group where you want all the music and you know the stuff that evangelicals are offering, I think the charismatic groups do that very well. So um, just, this is just for the listeners who think that uh, if they want the social aspect, they can do any one of these other things too. Absolutely.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and and Mike, it sounds like you're aware of so many opportunities. And, you know, different churches will have a different number of opportunities. Yeah. Maybe yeah. one doesn't have as much going on. Well, don't complain about it. Get one started. Started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't. You know, years ago, I told you I helped um, put on a retreat. It's been 12 years. Yes. And it all started with me complaining because we didn't have a women's retreat. There was one four hours away I knew about. And I thought, well, why can't we have a retreat? Mm-hmm. And then I saw a very popular priest of ours. I saw a poster. He was going to be speaking at a Lutheran women's retreat. And I thought, what the heck? <laughs> why
0: can't
1: we have a re-? And then it hit me. Well, he doesn't make his own retreats, somebody has to organize one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and then just one friend and I and we found somebody else to help, we started it and we've been doing it for 12 years now and we we always have um you know, 2 to 300 people that come. Mm-hmm. It's a Lenten retreat. Um and we've been doing it for 12 years now. But the idea is it started with me complaining and have a retreat.
0: Yeah.
1: For, for women and now now we have not only do we have that one but we have um, quite a few of them throughout the year so yeah it, it, which is another sign of our the vibrancy of our of our parish and our diocese really really growing but um, everybody should do something and ask God what he wants you to do yeah. you know how what what role should I be playing in my parish what can I do and if you have a desire for something that doesn't exist well, I got to say, it sure, it sure is very likely that God is calling you, you to get
0: that yeah. started then. That's, last week we had a, a, our episode on Mother Teresa and our regular guest, uh, Charles, he said the same thing. He said, if there is something that is missing in your parish, maybe God is asking you to go and start it. So I think that's yeah. a great point. That's a great point.
1: Um, and I to say, too, not, people tend to say, oh, no, not me. Oh, no, not me. <laughs> And that is never an excuse because we know that God God does not call the equipped. He equips those, He calls yeah. and I can tell you I'm not I never felt qualified to do anything. I wanted to be the one to head anything up. I always wanted to show up and somebody else do it. but the more you're willing to stick your neck out and do things and after a while you become knowledgeable. And you feel comfortable planning these things because there's only one way to learn and that's by getting in and doing it.
0: So so don't say here I am, Lord, send somebody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like we we all would like to just have somebody else plan the event and we just show up. But um, not only that, but you're saying yes to God.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, if he if you feel he's called, I would rather take a deep breath and go forward than to one day have to face him and say, Well, I know you were I thought that was you calling me, but uh, man, I just didn't want to do that. I'm sorry, you know. So I think we need to not back away and run or run away when we think we're being called. We're just gonna take that deep breath, pray as you go along, get information, get support, but but go ahead and um and, and do what you think you're being called to do. Don't run away from that.
0: And the last question on this is, uh, I know you mentioned that first you, you take your petitions to God, then you speak to your parish priest, but if people need help with making their parish vibrant, doing any of these things, uh, where should they go and what resources uh, will they need?
1: Um, that all depends on what you're doing. You know, If you want to start a prayer group, you need a place to sit down and uh, have it <laughs> and start telling people, you know, but if. For instance, when I did a women's retreat, that's more elaborate, and that took a lot of uh, advertising and finding a place and getting a caterer. That that was more elaborate, but every bit doable for just anybody who has the desire. But I I would say, if you're feeling called to do something, then figure out what do I need, because maybe if you need a Bible, if you want to have a Bible study. Well, then you have to decide on a Bible program that, and then invite people. Word of mouth and use your church bulletin. Make flyers, put up signs. If you're going to make flyers, you have to get permission.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I assume most churches want you to have permission to do that. And so, um, you know, before you start tacking them up everywhere, uh, make sure that your parish priest or, or the parish secretary has given you permission that you can do that. And, and so you want to go through, that's one thing. Um, make sure that it's okay yeah. with your parish priest, because maybe you might want to have a dance class in the basement. <laughs> you can't just go ahead and, uh, or exercise class, you just can't go ahead and do that. Just make sure you have permission first. You know, which is what we did when we started our prayer group because we were holding it at the church. So we, first of all, talked to the priest about it. And, um, and then we went, we did it his way, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the way we wanted to do it. But lo and behold, it turned out to be the best way. Mm-hmm. So um, get permission. And sometimes they, sometimes the priest will say, oh, oh, sure, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine with me. Or maybe sometimes he's so excited that you're doing it, he's going to get behind it and offer to help you or mm-hmm. give you resources or say, "Oh yeah, you can meet in the you can meet in this room in the church." Um, so depending on what you're doing, that will determine your resources. But I, I mean, everything we talked about today, I don't think anything uh, you really needed supplies. You just need to well, I mean, you know, Bible study or or book study. I belong to book study at another parish. Well, it's not really a, another parish, but, um, we gather together and it's a friend of mine from another parish got everything started and we just take turns deciding what book we're going to read and we, we read a couple chapters and we talk about it and it's always some Catholic book and that's a, it's a very enjoyable time with other women where we learn more, we're inspired, um, so there's there's nothing we talked about outside of if you wanted to hold a conference. Mostly everything's simple, you know. And we didn't even talk about all the different possibilities. You know, Christmas caroling.
0: Yeah.
1: You could gather a group and say who would like to come Christmas caroling, and then you you set that up maybe with uh, to to nursing homes or. Um, and you mentioned a lot of groups that you have children's groups.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I guess it just is going to depend on what activity you want to do. And then look, if you have an idea for an activity, um, go to your computer and see, maybe there's other people, other groups like that, so you can learn hmm. from what other people have done.
0: So any last thoughts that you have on building a vibrant parish? I like what you said
1: earlier. Basically just volunteer and say, here I am, Lord. <laughs> I've come to do your well. Um, just, have, but just tell him that and he'll take advantage. Yeah. He'll, he'll, uh, if you volunteer, he'll use you.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Patty, for today's uh, podcast and for spending your time with us. Let people know where they can find you online and um, wh- where they can reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you about your women's retreat or other things like that.
1: Well, sure. My own blog is petwirearmstrong.com. It's all one word, Patty, P A T T I, McGuire, M A G U I R E, Armstrong.com. Um, but I also write for the National Catholic Register and our Sunday visitor, as you mentioned. And so if you just put my name in, you'll see uh, all the different places I write for. You can click on different articles. I have quite a few of them out there. So, um, and I, I, I have a book coming out with. Um, Ave Maria Press, and I have the Amazing Grace book series with um, Ascension Press. It's very inspiring. A lot of stories of miracles and inspiration, if anybody's interested in that. But thank you, Pam. It was It's just been a pleasure talking with you.
0: Same here. I'm so I'm so thankful that you spent time, because this was a very difficult subject, and not a lot of people were uh, interested in talking about, about a vibrant parish. I'm not sure if they've even known what a vibrant parish is. So, you know, it takes a certain amount of experience to be able to talk about this.
1: Well, I can relate because when you told me that's what you wanted to talk about, I really questioned if I would have anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when I sat down and reflected and I saw how our parish has grown yeah. and all, all the different exciting things we have going on, I'm, I'm glad that I did take this on. Like I said, you know, just answer the call yeah. and you'll be amazed. I, I was amazed there was actually a lot I did have to say on the topic.
0: Yeah, And, you know, I have to admit, when I do this podcast every week, I'm amazed at how God works because uh, I just reach out to people and I just wonder, okay, well, how is this going to work? I mean, will they know enough? Will they say enough? And and somehow God does make it work. The content that does happen, like the, the words that we share sometimes are completely different from what we planned out, uh, you know, during the format. So uh, I know that God is working, and, and it amazes me that guests every time surprise me with what they have to say.
1: Well, I surprised myself because when you wanted to talk about vibrant prayer, parishes, I thought, well, why is she asking me that? What do I have to say? But anyways, it was it was really enjoyable talking with you, and I realized there's so much that can go into a vibrant parish.